Hey, welcome to NFT Hype, everyone. Uh, I have uh, someone very cool uh, on the show today, Jonah of Atomic Assets. I love your product, man. I use it like almost every day now. Um, and I, I've been hearing some things about things coming up, uh, new features. I heard about auctions. I heard about other things. And I just kind of wanted to get you on the show to discuss what's coming up. Um, and also just kind of uh, see how your vision is on the NFT world in, in the future. Nice. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I was just commenting on your game chair there. It looks like you get a lot of work done with that thing. Absolutely. That's uh, essential. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself first off and, and like, uh, you know, anything that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, I'm um, a co-founder of Pink Network together with uh, Fabian. We, I founded that last year. And for the last 11 months almost, uh, we've been working on first creating the Atomic Asset Standard and then building Atomic Hub um, as the interface for it. Did you always have that in mind to have the, the, the marketplace on top of the standard or? Um, kind of, but we, we saw it more like as if we didn't build it, then no one's gonna use it anyway. So it was like this, necessity we didn't build the standard to then also have a marketplace it was more like well we're building the standard already someone's gonna have to build a marketplace and if we're not going to do it then no one will oh yeah it's a good idea where did the idea for the drop come from how you can have a uh like a have a drop that's sorry a link that gives out a, a, a nft to somebody did that is that did that come from you guys yeah i mean maybe someone else built that before but just one day during development we we thought that would be cool like sharing nfts without even having to ask for someone's account name you just send them a link and then they can claim it and it's become so popular now i see everyone sharing those links yeah it's like when, when we first thought of it we we imagined that it might become popular just because of like its simplicity and you can just show it into a telegram channel and someone's going to claim it and uh, turns out a lot of people are doing that yeah uh cool man uh let's uh get to a contentious type of topic um when i when when gpkos1 first dropped it was on a uh, simple assets and they had a big lead in terms of adoption there um and you guys came along after uh, what is, in your opinion, what's the biggest like difference between both standards, atomic assets and simple assets? Yeah, it's it's hard to pinpoint that to a single difference. Just the standard itself has a lot of, I mean, it, it of course, it, it tries to solve the same problem and the core ideas, the core principles are actually very similar. And I mean, that's not by coincidence, obviously simple assets was there before we started with Atomic Assets. And um, we agree with, with a lot of the big design decisions that they made, for example, that you have a single smart contract that manages all collections. Whereas for example, DGOTS, every collection would have to create an own smart contract. So like this is similar, but then there's a lot of ways in which Atomic Assets is different. First of all, um, the RAM costs for NFTs are always paid by the collection author or the creator of those NFTs, whereas with simple assets, initially it was always the one owning the NFT or transferring the NFT, paying for the RAM, and now 
collections can enable this to pay as well. We have a different structure where simple assets, you could say it's simpler, which kind of makes sense, um, where you just create an NFT and that's it. And you store the data as JSON strings, um, which might or might not mean something to your viewers. Um, whereas with atomic assets, you start by creating the collection and then you create a schema where you define which attributes there are for the NFT. And then you can even create templates before creating the actual NFTs where templates can group together multiple NFTs and, and only store the data once, which initially like was meant to work as a RAM saving mechanism, which, which I mean, it does, it does save RAM, but it's a lot more than that. Actually, it also helps for developing smart contracts, for example, pack contracts. I would argue that with templates, it's a lot cleaner to develop those. And then also with like this collection mechanism where you don't just have an offer, but you have this collection system, you can, for example, do things like add the Atomic Drops X account to your authorized accounts list. And then this smart contract can mint NFTs for you, which um, with simple assets wouldn't be possible. And like there's more nuances to it. In general, we just took what's already, what was already there and, and we made like the changes that we thought would make um, interacting with the standard easier. So I guess what you're, from what you said, it's, it seems like there's almost like a hierarchical structure for the data to be held within um, atomic assets versus simple assets where it's more of a, a open sort of a standard, I guess you'd say. Yeah, in atomic assets, it's like, like you said, it's this hierarchical structure where collections at the top and then you have schemas defining attributes and, and only then you have NFTs, which like admittedly, it makes the creation process of like getting your first NFT out there. It, it means there's more steps to it. Um, but then I think the advantages that you gain from this added complexity actually like make it worth it. Okay. Yeah, okay, and I've experienced that myself creating some as well too, and I see the benefit of, of it. Um, what, how would you, is there any analogy that you could give our viewers? I know it's hard to come up on the fly with an analogy, but um, of, of collection, schema, templates, uh, is there anything that you could uh, give us in that regard? Um, yes and no, like the one, the one thing that I always use is Collection might be Pokemon. So that's where if you maybe add, I don't know who owns the IP for Pokemon, but like, let's say you do own the IP for that. You create one collection that's called Pokemon. And then you have one schema that's called like- Charizard. No, no, no not Charizard. You, you have one schema that's called maybe Pokeballs and you have one schema that's called health uh, potions and you have one schema that's called Pokemon once again, because like the little monsters are called Pokemon as well, because those um, like those are different kinds of items. And then below that, you have a template for Pikachu, you have a, a template for Charizard and, and you have templates for all of these uh, things. And then you mint NFTs for all of them. Okay. So like the middle layer is like a category almost. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Categories is probably a pretty good word for it. Oh, okay, awesome. Um, now let's get into the 
auctions feature, which you've hinted somewhere on, on Telegram. I don't know where, but uh, I know you hinted on it. Can you let us know a little bit about that and what you have in store? Yeah, so like that's the one thing that has been on our to-do list for so long. It was on our to-do list before we launched Atomic Hub in the first place. We, we, we thought maybe we could even launch with it. And then we kind of realized, well, maybe it's not that important. And then we said, like, maybe we launch it two, two weeks after the official launch. And then new things started happening. <laughs> and we, we built all these other things, but never got around to the auctions. But actually, the smart contract, the atomic market smart contract that the marketplace works with, that already supports auctions. And it supported auctions from day one. We just don't have an interface for them. And like crossing fingers here, hopefully we, we will soon, that's once again, like one of those dangerous words, <laughs> yeah. we will soon have the interface for actually creating auctions where you can list one or then in the future also multiple NFTs in one auction. You, you define like a time, for, uh, time that the auction should run for and you define a starting bit. And then once you've created that, everyone else can can bid on the auction, obviously. And once the time is over, uh, the highest bidder wins the NFTs. So when is soon? <laughs> That's like, the, the problem is I would like to say something here, but then Fabian is gonna kill me afterwards <laughs> yeah, okay. because like he's the guy that then actually has to do it. And, and yeah. if, I, if I say something now and then something else comes up and that, that's that's never a good idea. So I'll stick with soon. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, what's your vision for the platform? Like uh, if you see it in one to two years, three years out? I mean, that's that's hard to say. I, I have like this hope for what it could be. Um, where one thing that I think is pretty certain is that we, at least for different EOS IO chains like WAX is and then also EOS Telos, whatever, we will have bridges for those. I'm pretty certain of that. Um, so that you're not locked into a single blockchain, but you can actually move around your NFTs on, on different blockchains. And then what I really hope to see is that we can get some like big artists using uh, NFTs, which to an extent they're already doing, just not on WAX. I mean, they're mostly doing it on Ethereum right now. Um, and that we can get like actual game integrations for NFTs because yeah. that's where where my background really is where where I really even started with Wax was because I was trading Counter Strike items, okay. and I think this makes so much sense for games to have these items and like gamers already know how these work. The next step is just taking them from a centralized server to the blockchain, right. and I think that's like a step that would really add value to, to the NFT ecosystem, but also to the gaming ecosystem where, where they can use NFTs. And when you talk about a bridge, what is the major benefit of a bridge? Okay, so we can think of it from two ways. One is a total technical point of view where we understand that it's traveling from one decentralized ledger to another decentralized ledger, a distributed ledger. Um, like from, for example, WAX to EOS to, to, to Ethereum, for example. But what is the benefit of that? Is, that? is it just the liquidity and availability for the, an end user to collect? I think a lot of it comes down to it, um, to, at least in the beginning. Like right now we have just 
that's just how it is that we have a very different community on Wax than we have on EOS, for example. Right. And just by creating a bridge, you allow these communities to interact with one another, where as right now they are pretty much locked in into their ecosystem. And then also further down the line, it uh, might solve scalability issues. Like if you have really high frequency uh, applications that use NFTs, then maybe at some point they don't fit on a single blockchain. And then they need to create like either you can call it side chains or maybe it's a sister chain or, or whatever, but you want to have more chains to, to improve, the, to increase the volume that you can put through, like the, the, the volume, the amount of transactions that you can process. And then you also need to bridge them over from one blockchain to another. So let's get technical for a second. Um, when you have, let's say, a Wax NFT and you bridge it over to EOS, uh, do we keep the, the ID number? Um, also, do you burn it on Wax if it goes to EOS and vice versa? That's like implementation dependent. And we're not 100% sure. One thing that I can tell you, you will most likely keep the ID of the asset because we've actually already made sure like when we deployed um, atomic assets on EOS and also we also already deployed it on Telos that we use different starting IDs so that they don't overlap. So like on WAX, you start with one ID and, and on EOS, you start with a way higher ID. So that those IDs will never overlap. And even if you bridge them, they can still be unique. The problem to solve is then like, how do you move over collections and schemas and templates or do you move them over or do they first have to be created manually? That's like all sort of complexity that I think can be solved, but like not trivially solved. Okay, interesting. And how far are we away, are we away from say taking a, um, an OS1 GPK sketch from uh, Wax to EOS uh, how, or, or Ethereum for that matter. I'll just slip that one right in there. <laughs> um, that's like longer than soon, but not forever. That's, that's one of those things that's also hard to say. Like, I think we're not going to see it in the next four months or something. It's, it's not like right around the corner, but then at the same time, it's something that like we want to solve. We want to solve it mainly for Wax to EOS. And I think the Wax team want to solve it for Wax to Ethereum, which both are like valuable uh, and you need different approaches to solve these. I don't know how long it will, I, I don't know what the Wax team plans on doing. I doubt it, it will be like in the next months as well. I, th I think it's still a bit further down the line but not like in three years. I think it's it's okay. sooner than that. It's it's definitely coming okay. at some point. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, thanks for that. Um, now, something that I've been personally experienced with is uh, uh, fakes and plagiarisms. And I know you guys have been uh, working hard on verifying artists and also creating, I, I believe now it's a two tier system where you have uh, one check mark and two check marks. Um, how challenging has that been? And also, uh, how, how do you see that process getting better uh, and scalable? Yeah, so as you said, we, we when we started with Atomic Up, what we had was simply a blacklist and like we called it a whitelist. So 
on a blacklist, we put collections that we know are scams. And then when they're on the blacklist, we just don't display them on Atomic Hub because we don't want our users to see them, obviously. And then you said it before that we only had like this one verification layer where we just verified the collections that we thought were legit. Like, uh, for example, if we verify blockchain heroes or cocks, because like, you know, those guys won't do, they, they won't try to scam you. And by giving this verification layer, it doesn't actually change anything on the blockchain. It, the only thing that it does change is how we display it on Atomic Hub. And when a user sees a verification, then at least they know like it's probably the legit. They, they shouldn't just switch off their brain then, of course, but that's like one indication. And the more important thing actually is when they don't see the verification. So when they're expecting to buy an NFT that always was verified, and then all of a sudden they don't see a verification and get like this warning, then they probably start to think and, and realize that it is um, a counterfeit NFT. And what we've now done is like you said, we switched to a two layer system because on Atomic Hub, we're only displaying verified collections by default. So that means you can't really get started as an artist if you're not verified. And so that leads to us verifying quite liberally because like what we, we can't say like, yeah, you first need to create some transaction volume, but at the same time, you're not verified. So you can't create any transaction volume. So we verified it quite liberally. And to now still have like this differentiation of someone that we just verified because they're probably legit and these big projects like Blockchain Heroes and Cox, we now have a second layer of verification where the really big projects and the really trusted projects get level two verification. And the ones that we've looked at and, and we've not seen anything bad with them and we think it's original art, what we don't really know, those get the level one verification. Interesting. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've unfortunately had the the experience of buying a piece and then finding out it was uh, ripped off from somebody's Instagram feed, and um, I, I guess uh, it wasn't verified. But I was always hoping that you know this looked like somebody who would be verified, um, and then it turned out that that they were actually plagiarizing. So I guess the, um, I guess it, it's kind of like a community sort of uh, uh, community sourced type of uh, way to point out fakes like that too would, would, would help out. Um, I suggested in your Atomic Assets chat that we have like a, um, a thumbs up, thumbs down on collections. Um, however, I do see that being a scalability issue for you guys. If, if you guys had to uh, possibly verify thousands and thousands of artists, right? Yeah, so I think the problem with like you can't ever completely outsource it to the community because that will always be like gameable and attackable by by someone creating a lot of accounts for example or like there's a lot of ways that this could be exploited where people either verify something that is a scam or they blacklist something just because they don't like it and we want neither of those of course so like right now we're still doing everything on our own but at the same time, what, what can definitely be valuable is having like just a way for the community to report something. And then if we see like something has 10 reports, then we, we look at it and we don't just immediately blacklist it because that's like can be game. But then at least we know we should probably take a look at it. 
and that's certainly valuable. At some point, we might even have to look at just hiring someone to look through verification requests because that's like one of those things I think you can, like I said, you can't really completely outsource it to just a community that's too dangerous. And of course, like we're, we're talking only about Atomic Hub, we're not talking about Atomic Assets as a whole. So we are responsible for what we display on Atomic Hub, like also in a legal way. Mm -hmm. And so we also need to be like in control and completely outsourcing that is giving this control away to an extent that I think wouldn't be healthy. Yeah, fair enough. Of course, you have to keep those things in mind. Uh, and that sort of brings up a, a, a question regarding um, your drops as well. Like, uh, how, how does one get in contact with you to do a drop on your on atomic assets and do you guys prefer uh doing a drop within your website or do you suggest projects have their own website to do drops uh and mint it on the atomic assets uh standard um what is your criteria and what is sort of your if you were to let's say convince a project to drop on your hub versus uh consider their own uh website what, what thoughts would you have for them um like i'm assuming you mean drop as in like selling packs or something like this yes yeah so i mean that it's like there's there's no definite right answer and for example with uh, the go pepe collection they just we, we had no idea that they existed until one day they just popped up and and a week later they had their uh, sale and, and pack opening and all developed by them in-house and except for like a small hiccup at the beginning it all worked perfectly fine and that's honestly like pretty exciting to see that some some people can now build things like this on atomic assets without even having to contact us in any way because like it means that people are actually using it at the same time like we are of course building these features for atomic hub like primary sales and then also pack openings which like we only did one on atomic hub so far which was the crash garden pack which was kind of ugly because there was like very little time to prepare for that but we want to make it better and um we are also working on like our own system to distribute packs or distributed cards in packs as pre-mints so that the mint numbers will be randomized when when you unbox them and like all of these things, those are a lot of, those require a lot of effort to develop. And if someone wants to work with us directly, like that might make sense for them uh, because like then they don't have to develop it. It might be cheaper for them. And the users already are on Atomic Hub. And if we have like this experience that the users are used to, that might add value. But then if you want to do more customized stuff, then, then I mean, sure, just build your own website and yeah. uh, build it yourself. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you just brought up a topic that uh, I just want to get your personal opinion on. You mentioned mint numbers. Are you a collector? Uh, do you sort of uh, collect yourself? And what do you think about mint numbers? Well, I've, I've sort of stopped doing any of this. I think I'm probably there's like hundreds of people that have used Atomic Hub more than I have at this point, because I'm so like I'm building smart contracts and all this stuff, but I'm never actually using Atomic Hub and I'm not really getting around to collecting it. Uh, I just, I have like some cool artwork NFTs and sometimes I, I open just one pack just to try it out. 
but I don't actually collect them myself often. And like these mint numbers, they've just like after the first GPK launch, they just sort of when the first website started displaying them, all of a sudden people started to care. Oh yeah. And we didn't really expect that, but then like if the people care, um, that's that's cool. And I think it actually adds like this value to the cards where if you just have 100 atomic atom common cards and they all look the same, then that's that's boring. But if you have like a number one mint or just any mint number atomic atom a common card, they just then you really understand that they are non-fungible. They really are different from one another. And people started caring about those. So we started displaying those. And as people started caring so much about low mints, like where with all, ex uh, with all previous um, pack openings, the low mints were always just the first packs opened because they were just minted in this order. Um, I think that's like a problem because it, it takes away from the excitement once once all the low mints are gone in the first minute and then nobody is excited about opening packs anymore. And I think that's not the great experience. So that's why we are building, actually already have built our system to, to pre-mint NFTs and then give them away randomly in a way that uh, the mint numbers as your opening packs will also be randomized. Oh, so you've built that already and uh, any future drops could possibly use that on atomic assets? The Uplift, uh, Uplift Art Drop will actually use it on the 15th of November. Oh, good. Good to hear. Uh, Michael Blue is always innovating and doing cool things, that's for sure. Yeah, he absolutely is. And like, I, I think just like anyone watching this, you, you really want to watch this drop because there's like, there's not just random mint numbers, there's already also the art, which really makes a lot of sense. And it's not like cheaply putting together some art, it's like, High quality art, it really makes sense. It has different rarity levels, has these gamifications where you can throw in 10 NFTs of one rarity and you get out an NFT of the next highest rarity and also have a small chance of getting like this mythic level rarity that you can't get in packs directly. Yeah. And I think that's really like that's why we're working with him. He's really innovative and yeah. we had these ideas of. And then the capabilities of making this happen. And I think that's going to be a really, really exciting launch to watch. Yeah, I, I believe so too. We should, uh, you guys should keep a, like a top music videos, NFTs on your, on your atomic assets and he'll be the number one for a long time now, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much of the, how do you fund uh, your, your atomic assets? Is that through your block producing stuff or uh, we just want to, the question, the reason I ask is, we want to know that uh, the standard is going ahead and it's healthy and we can see it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of just funding it because we, I mean, we're, we're not really paying money. We're just putting in our own energy and the amount of energy that we put into atomic assets has been really, really big. Like we just into atomic assets and like the whole eco dev, developer ecosystem around it with the APIs that's easily 2000 hours sunk into just that, where we never made any money from that. And that's just because like, we just decided we wanted to build this and we knew that it wouldn't pay off financially really. But, but now, I mean, now we're actually like more incentivized also financially, of course, to keep developing it. 
um, because we have Atomic Hub uh, attached to it. And we've got some funding through Wax Labs, but only for Atomic Hub, not for Atomic Assets itself. And I guess like if in the future, then we, we probably can get funding through Wax Labs for Atomic Assets, although I don't think we want to do that. Like Atomic Assets is still in this sense a passion project um, that we just keep developing on. So like funding is secured in the way that Fabian and I are still very passionate about developing it. And, and we, we don't necessarily need to see money for our efforts for that directly. Yeah, and obviously some of the the economy is built in when you when you get fees from uh, people selling NFTs, right? Yeah, of course. Like now with Atomic Cup being, I mean, like just com if you compare what we're earning through Atomic Cup right now with the effort that Fabian and I are putting in, it's still not <laughs> a huge amount of money. But I mean, that's, ne that's never the reason why we started it. It never was the reason why we started it. And we, we just keep building it. <laughs> that's cool. I like that. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome to have you guys as part of the, um, uh, of the ecosystem. How are, how are you and Fabian that got together like uh, as business partners? Well, we've um, met each other in, in high school. So okay. like we've known each other for, what is it now? 11 years, maybe, I, I think around 11 years. And like, we've always been friends throughout that. And also before starting with Pink Network, we've also worked on projects together, but like smaller projects, but still like we, we wanted to build some stuff before that. And then when the Wax mainnet launched and there was this build on Wax competition held where the Wax team put up a price pool of $25,000 with 10,000 going to the first place. And they just said like, you have two and a half weeks time. Now the mainnet is launched and whoever builds the coolest application wins. And when we saw that, because we've already been watching Wax before, uh, like since they started essentially, we saw that competition and we just thought like, we could probably compete in that um, and just we, we built a decentralized bankroll back then uh, with like a small example page gambling page that uses this decentralized bankroll and we managed to win the first place in that mm. then we moved to becoming guilds so so block producers on wax and well then uh, started building atomic assets the rest is history as they say right yeah um, what are you excited about coming up? Like, I know there's Atari announced yesterday. There's Capcom uh, coming up hopefully soon. Uh, there's a number of projects. There's MBlue's project, uh, Uplift.Art, and uh, uh, GPK3, 4, who knows? What, 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 about everything you know about now, what, uh, what are you excited about? And you might actually collect. I'm, I'm actually, like, just also moving on this collecting i always feel like kind of like i shouldn't collect the things that i built myself i, I feel like that's just because like imagine i get a very rare card and then i mean i know that it's provably fair but then people always think like maybe he just rigged the odds or something i, I don't why want does, that to happen why does jonah have all the number one mints <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean that that would be bad that's like why i'm staying mostly out of it um I mean, I mean, there's there's so much uh, happening. Like just in the next month or two, 
we will see so many launches um well how about i put it this way jonah how about i say what features uh that you know like we talked about auctions but what upcoming features and updates to atomic hub that are you most excited about coming up in the next while i think i think the most exciting feature for users will likely be when we build our pack creator where then everyone will be able to create their own packs directly on atomic hub without any coding knowledge Oh, wow. I think I'll put it as soon as well, <laughs> but a bit, a bit more, a bit farther out than auctions, but a bit sooner than uh, cross-chain bridges. Like we, we want to get that done relatively soon. Um, and I think a lot of soon, right? Yeah, yeah. We need to have like adverbs before the soon, relatively soon, and very soon. And, you know. <laughs> You, you never know, but I think that's going to be exciting when, um, I mean, of course, not, not all of them will then sell $100,000 worth of packs all of a sudden, because I mean, that's not going to work, but still, I think a lot of people like they use our atomic drops feature now and like they use the atomic, uh, uh, the, the NFT creator before that, I think they will just use it to create their own fun NFTs. Um, and like, I know there's this big hurdle to actually build your packs right now because you need to know like you need to develop a smart contract you need to have a user interface for that that's not something that an average user will be able to do but when we have this pack creator users will actually be able to do it okay and does that take care of payments and everything too well i mean those are two separate systems where we also want to properly integrate the drops that we have right now where you can essentially hold primary sales we also want to build a proper interface for that. I could say that's coming soon. <laughs> so <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> yeah. It's it's always hard to say, but I mean that's coming, then you can properly sell your packs with that. You, you I mean you can create your packs through the pack creator, set all set up the odds and everything. Then you set up a primary sale page for your pack NFTs. I, I think that's going to be exciting. Okay. Yeah, I think those are very exciting updates for sure. Well, I mean, thanks for, for joining me today. That was a real uh, great short and sweet interview. Um, I think there was a lot of information there for my viewers and our viewers. And uh, cheers, man, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was, was fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs>